0: CHAPTER Twelve OF THE INS AND OUTS OF PARIS OR PARIS BY DAY AND NIGHT by Julie de Marguerite. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. THE SISTER OF CHARITY, THE DAME DE CHARITÉ, AND THE ENFANT TROUVÉ. Did you ever take Paris in its serious point of view? No, never. I see it by your wondering look. You have thought of Paris only under two aspects. One as the emporium of fashion fun and refinement the abode of good fellows somewhat dissipated of fascinating ladies somewhat overkind, of succulent dinners somewhat indigestible of pleasures somewhat illicit the others as a place par excellence of revolutions barricades fightings and emeutes but these are mere thunderclouds the serious part of the population those who take life in earnest those who live for others those who exist for the consolation of humanity to reform its vices to minister to its ills and sorrows these you have never thought of i will not take you to the hospitals of paris your guidebook will tell you all about these and will also show you that there the first physicians tend the sick and that the best of nurses watch them but i will take you to the one of the holiest institutions that catholicism has inspired the most appropriate to woman's nature the most useful in all its appliances i will take you to the establishment of the sisters of charity do not expect a convent with its monostatic solemnities its traditional touriere with her large keys its majestic abbess and its feeling organs where we are going is simply a shabby-looking house in the small dirty street leading from the rue saint-honoré to the boulevards and from its vicinity to the church of that name called the rue saint Roch, knock and enter you tread on a sanded floor horsehair chairs and sofas are around at a table piled with papers sits an aged woman in the garb of the sisters of saint-vesant paul all black except a cape of white linen and a headdress of the same material somewhat like a sunbonnet but protruding further over the face now we are here what shall we say the superior looks up and waits ma soeur, we are foreigners and we come but to look through the establishment of les soeurs de charité of whom we have heard so much there is no establishment we have no pictures no sculptured altars we cannot tarry to kneel on tessellated pavements before images of saints or martyrs our place is for ever among the sick and the suffering with the dying outcast with the wailing and abandoned infant. But you behold us here. This house is known to belong to the Sisters of Charity. Here I, the secretary, am ever ready to receive all visitors. And in an adjoining room are sisters waiting to fulfill the mission of charity at the first summons of my bell. To all, without distinction of nation, creed, or rank, are our services given. The poor and friendless or the rich whose selfishness has made a solitude around them even to the degraded dying of disease and vice to the resigned christian to the raving blasphemer to each to all do our sisters come and with tenderness care and patience tend and heal the weary and suffering bodies and often calm and bring to god the desolate and despairing ah women in your country they tell me monsieur l'américain have claimed women's rights ours is the sweetest noblest right of all it makes us equal to angels angels not such as poets and admirers call us but god's angels like those who ministered to christ you smile to hear me speak of poetry in admiration you wonder that in this solemn garb i should know anything of the world but we are of the world our ranks are recruited from the highest as well as the lowest ranks of society our vows are not perpetual until after a long and practical novitiate of many years five years is the usual term and then without the slightest blame or a remark of any kind a woman can if she chooses return to her family and to social life it is neither despair nor bigotry nor tyranny which gives us nuns of the order of saint Vincent de paul but it is a vocation for charitable deeds a tender pity for the ills of life a desire to be of use to our fellow-creatures, I who now speak to you, am a widow. I am well off. I have children and grandchildren, married and prosperous. I see them every day. My presence does not check the mirth of their guests, though it may hollow the conversation, nor does my sombre black dress repress the lisping caresses of my grandchildren. I have done my duty towards them all. they have their inheritance they will have mine but rather than spend my income and my time in frivolities ill becoming an old woman i give both to the great family of the poor and needy now i must show you the flower of our flock and she tinkled a silver bell the door of an inner room opened and there clad in the same garb as herself a tall graceful girl of about eighteen To describe the holy sweetness of the expression pervading a face faultless as to feature, dazzling as to complexion, would be impossible. Its apparition was like some pure and holy thought of our childish memories, evoked in an hour of worldly toil and tribulation. The vision with its earnest eyes looked straight at us, and smiled. The salutation, so easy, so elegant, was such as is taught in courts. We scarcely dared to speak sister rosalie said the old lady these visitors are from a far-off land bien loin bien loin au delà des mers from america and they have brought a tribute of charity for the one of your charges who needs it most the vision smiled again so soft a smile yet beaming from the brightening eye and mantling in the flushing cheek it thanked us in words though we listened but to the gentle voice and it was not till she who had first received us repeated it the second time that we understood that our gold piece was rejected and that five francs was all that would be accepted then from the long wide sleeves a fair soft hand was withdrawn and in its rosy palm we placed with reverence our offering another slow and graceful obeisance a frank merci a smile which included all and the vision vanished That said our hostess is the daughter of the duchess de the only daughter beloved admired happy she has been here four years one more and she will return to her proper station young as she looks for tis not toil but evil passions that wrinkle the brow pure thoughts prolong our youth she will then be five-and-twenty and in a few months afterwards she will bear the name and the title of a husband as noble as herself there was no peculiar circumstance or event which induced her determination of coming to us it was the result of a comparison of the wretched lot of so many with her own favoured and happy fate she felt as though god would exact for so many good gifts something more than the mere giving of alms and she came amongst us a saint in conduct a child in thought a woman in tenderness and long-suffering her fiancé, who is her cousin and known by her from infancy As he passes in his carriage often sees her wading through the rain but she turns on him her sweet smile of love and hope and he feels she is protected by a higher power here we felt it right that our visit should end we had already occupied too much of the invaluable time of the good sister examples such as this we had just heard related are not rare either in the higher or in the middle classes the women of france of all ranks are actively benevolent does distress or sickness come upon you go to one of these houses of the sisters of charity and at whatever hour of the day or night one of the sisters will obey your summons if you are rich she will not ask or even seek to know why you are alone and have no help but from public charity and pity if you are poor she will bring such succour as the funds of their special branch afford then if the case is beyond her means she will have recourse to the assistance of a dame de charité now a dame de charité is a lady of high position each section has a certain number marie amelie wife of louis philippe was a dame de charité though of course her functions were filled by deputy these dames de charité give amply from their own purses they are the bankers of the sisters of charity and when their own means are exhausted they step into their carriages and with a large velvet bag go round to every house within their district begging succour for the poor and suffering their high names their elegant toilettes their winning manners their splendid equipages are all adjuncts in the cause of charity and the poor cease to envy when they see the use to which apparent extravagance and folly are put behold too the sister of charity at the cradle of infancy by the deserted pillow over which no mother ever bends within the walls of the enfant Trouvé, there in two rows on either side of a long dormitory enveloped in clean swaddling clothes lie more than a hundred infants sleeping or wailing their first hours in a world which has reserved no place for them beneath a father's roof a large numbered card on the breast of each is all that distinguishes them one from another all the parentage they can ever claim But how unwearingly from bed to bed, feeding with sweetened milk, or soothing to soft slumber, goes the gentle sister of charity. None will ever claim this child. Its own mother, who scarcely looked at it on its birth, would not know it among so many. But to the sister of charity it is a well-beloved child, a soul from God. And she tends it, as though it were the offspring of the tenderest love that ever bent over the cradle of a firstborn rousseau harsh and morose might well send his children to the enfant trouvé, away from the drunken brutality of such a mother as Therese. these children unclaimed and unmarked may have gone forth to the world-able and useful members of society or perhaps some gentle sister's kiss has caught their last sigh in the early days of their infancy what was the inheritance their father could have left them a name linked with high genius but a fame obscured by petty vices, envy, hatred, and discontent. End of chapter 12